Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello, Koshi here. Before we get into this episode of The Call, I've got a favor to ask. The bigger the Ausbiz audience, the more we can invest in great content and keep providing quality investment ideas to you for free. If you could just take a minute of your time to leave a review of The Call in the Apple Podcast app, it'll help keep our tribe growing. And of course, don't forget to catch up with all the best interviews each day at ausbiz.com.au. Thanks for listening. Enjoy The Call. Hello, welcome back to Oz Business Australia's only live streaming business and markets channel and uh, great to have your company uh, for the next 60 minutes or so where we analyse 10 stocks that you've suggested we take a look at. I put them to an expert panel and look, I know it's been a golden day at the Olympics with, uh, with gold at the rowing and gold in the pool with Ariana Titmus, but you are going to get gold medal investment advice uh, in terms of the share market and uh, our titans of, uh, of the team here that uh, sort of put in Ariana Titmus performances every time they come on the program. Henry Jennings from uh, Marcus Today. Uh, Henry, welcome. Are you a swimmer? Hi. Uh, no, British people don't really swim, although that has changed in the last few years, but we're not really renowned as swimmers. Uh, as a naval nation, swimming is regarded as a bit of a failure. Means your boat sunk. <laughs> um, Andrew Willoughby, a Queenslander, you'd you'd have a good stroke. Uh, yes, goes without saying. <laughs> uh, look, look at his physique. Look at his physique. <laughs> All right, great to have you two aboard. It's always fun uh, as we go through the next hour or so. Uh, before we start to get into uh, the stocks that have been suggested by viewers, of course, I choose a stock of the day, something that's been in the news. And uh, I've gone with St. Barbara. The, uh, the gold company has ended the fiscal year with higher costs and weaker production. It reported quarterly gold production almost 20% behind the 109,000 ounces that delivered a year ago. Over 300,000 ounces were produced for fiscal 21 and all in sustaining cost of $1,616 an ounce. Managing Director Craig Jetson uh, saying the company rose to the new challenges of the global pandemic's second year. I noticed Gold Road, um, another gold company, came out with production down as well. Um, Henry, what did you think of St. Barbara's report and it as a stock? Well, Koshi, I guess it just proves that all the glistens is not always gold uh, because St. Barbara's definitely had its halo slipping for some time. And I've got to say that this is one of those stocks in the gold sector that really has been a monumental disappointment. And as you say, production down, costs up. They've had problems over the years with Gualia. Uh, it just really doesn't float too many boats. It's hard enough at the moment, I have to say, being... Uh, a bit of a, a bull on the gold sector and there's a couple of stocks that I prefer obviously to St Barbara and it's it's just a tough gig at the moment gold is hovering around that 1800 level in US dollar terms and it really hasn't had any kick from um, 
even recently from the Bitcoin rally. It hasn't had any kick from rates plunging on the 10-year notes in uh, various jurisdictions. So it's just been a little bit frustrating for the gold bulls, I must say. It's all been about nickel and copper. If they could put some gold into electric yeah. vehicles, that would probably help things considerably. So St. Barbara, for me, is definitely one to avoid although they do seem to be making some inroads in the problems they've had in the past. It's, there are other stocks that have greater uh, gearing, leverage, management, skill. Just doesn't yeah. float my boat. It's been a long, slippery slide for this one, I'm afraid. Yeah, you've been a lot um, a supporter in um, the Northern Star Saracen merger, haven't you, the new, the new group? Yeah. I mean, you've got to say that Northern Star is, uh, is one of the premier gold outfits, as is... Uh, evolution which has just made an acquisition under Jake Klein who's yeah. one of the shrewdest operators around but it's it's pretty hard to make progress when gold is kind of out of favor at the moment everyone's really sort of looking over there at the nickel and the copper and the cobalt and the platinum yeah. etc and, and gold very much not the flavor of the month unfortunately yeah Andrew some Barbara Pretty much everything Henry said. Um, in particular, you know, you've, you've got the, as, as Henry Rutley points out, gold is out of favour. So you, before you even start, the uh, the commodity that you're working with is under pressure. And then you talk about, uh, or they, as it would be the company, talks about rising costs relating to production. Uh, so there's, there's lots of reasons not to be here. You had that chart up there just before. The chart just looks absolutely dreadful. On even a, on a longer term view, it's really just sort of uh, uh, down the bottom there, so to speak. It's sort of that uh, top left to bottom right. It's yeah. just yeah, it's just a very ordinary looking chart. Uh, and certainly, if I was uh, into gold companies, I'd be absolutely doing a Northern Star. I'd be looking at Evolution, uh, Saint Barbara. Doesn't get a look in. I'm sorry. Yep. Okay. All right. Um, Tim wants a view on speaking of. Uh, a resource that doesn't seem to be under pressure at the moment is lithium. Um, Tim wants a view on Core Lithium. Um, had a bit of a run recently in share price because a company had successfully completed the feasibility study on its Finnis Lithium project, um, which seemed to come up okay. Um, what, what do you think of uh, Core Lithium, Andrew? Yeah, it looks okay. Um, I, I might leave most of this to Henry because I understand that he owns a couple personally, but on what I've seen, there was actually a webinar today at, uh, at 11, so I, I didn't get a chance to catch that. I'll be honest, I was watching this one. But um, I'm uh, interested to see what the outcomes from that webinar was, but you're quite right, that uh, low-cost uh, lithium project they've got uh, near Darwin, it's only about 80 or 90 k's away from Darwin, so from the context of... Uh, if the uh, the project gets up and going, being able to then send it uh, by road to the port of Darwin, and the the mine uh, project actually looks pretty attractive. You know, you've uh, only got to spend about 89 million from what I've seen to actually. Um, so, uh, and of course, uh, this is where I sort of segue to Henry. The chairman is also the chairman of Axe. So, what could go wrong, Henry? <laughs> What a great segue. Thank you, Andrew. Um, yeah, I, I do have to declare an interest. I do have a, a small parcel of core lithium for myself and have had them for some time. It is supposedly going to be our next lithium producer. 
and as such i think it does hold some good potential it does tend to have these blips higher and then interest wanes i have to say which has been a little bit of a, uh, a higgledy piggledy kind of performance and you can probably see that on the chart and unfortunately it hasn't really gathered the same kind of momentum shall we say that something like pilbara minerals has or even oracobra and galaxy which are doing their merger at the moment but i think this one looks good on, as far as the Costco goes. It's only a $300 million market cap, so it does have some leverage. Uh, the project is going along nicely. It's not going to cost them a fortune. They've got $41 million in cash, um, and they have got relatively uh, experienced management. So as Andrew says, they're pretty close to Darwin, so that takes away a lot of the logistical issues with it. So um, I'm pretty positive on this one, I have to say. Um, probably not as positive as Axe, which has done pretty well, but uh, certainly this one has been, uh, I've loaned it for a long time, so uh, yeah. I'm still doing okay out of it, but it is a bit frustrating, I have to say, at times, because it does have these blips higher, and then it kind of loses that um, that momentum. And uh, So is this a good time to buy it, because it's sort of just... Um, I think, yeah, I, th I, you know, I think you could drift back below. It's 26.5 cents at the moment. I think we could see it drift back below 24 cents, especially if we see further negativity coming out of the US and, and our market. We're down 42 points today, and there is a little bit of profit taking around having hit these record highs. So we could see it drift down towards 23, 24 cents, in which case I think I'd be uh, topping up there, that's for sure. So it's probably an accumulate on weakness, which is not really falling into your buy hold cells. Right. Okay. But uh, you, it, it's certainly a hold. Okay. All right. Um, uh, are you going to follow that line as well, Andrew? I'd actually say it's a buy, understanding that um, it could get weaker in particular. I mean, from a broader macro point of view, August has got uh, amber lights flashing all over it for a number of reasons. So if you're opportunistic, uh, certainly there's a chance to get it cheaper. But if, uh, if I'm sort of wearing my five-year hat, um, two cents is not going to matter, neither here nor there. So I'd say it's a buy now. Yep, okay. All right. Um, Henry, Ben wants a view on car sales, the, uh, the big online uh, car advertising marketing organisation, the car version of realestate.com and, and, uh, and Seek. Uh, yeah, hi Ben. It's made a, a pretty big acquisition recently in the US with I think it's called Trader Interactive. Uh, raised some money as well at 17 bucks doing an entitlement issue. And the stock's really taken off after that entitlement issue. I think we're in for a period of consolidation, I've got to say. And given that tech seems to be under attack, the tech attack in China, and I think it will have some ramifications for valuations because I think it just highlights the risk around some of these tech stocks. We all know that car sales is the leader in the field. There's, there's no question about this, uh, certainly in Australia. When you, when you go onto car sales, it's a very good app. Uh, they have a very good system. They have a lot of nice AI features that you can uh, activate as well. So it's, it's undoubtedly the leader. It's got a great platform. Just for my money at the moment, it's run a little hard. Given that capital raising, I think it was at $17.00. There could be a little bit of weak stock flushing around the system. And given the backdrop that we're seeing at the moment with tech, it just could come off a little bit more, maybe back down towards uh, $20.5, uh, $20 $21. So I'd just hold off for the time being. But for the long term, I think it's a good hold. And certainly 
the, uh, the US acquisition does add another dimension to this stock. So quality, and we all know the car story at the moment. Everyone's bidding up used car prices like crazy uh, yeah. because they can't get hold of new cars. So, um, And even today we saw AP Eagers come out with some uh, a business update, which was pretty positive as well. So um, the story's good. The backdrop's good. It's just for me, it's just run a little bit hard. And on a valuation basis, it's just maybe a little toppy. Prefer to see it under $21. Okay. All right, Andrew? Yeah, um, I, I think, again, if, if, the, if you look at that chart, it's sort of showing that it's pretty toppy at the moment. And if we then have a look at the fundamentals, it's on a PE of 38, and you've got 35% earnings growth. So, you know, the old peg ratio where you're trying to buy a company whose PE is less than its earnings per share growth. Um, toppy share price chart toppy PE or PEG ratio, um, plus you've got, I think as Henry just said, you know, that uh, Trader Interactive uh, transaction, you've got uh, shareholders who picked up a few more shares at $17, they're feeling a bit nervous around what's going on with tech, they see it at 21, that's a nice 20% profit that they can trouser straight away, so I can certainly see it treading water for the time being, it is a hold. Okay, all right. Uh, now, Braden Andrew wants a view on wide open agriculture. Andrew says, I'm a young investor putting together a basket of potential 10 bagger companies. That's what we like, Andrew. <laughs> uh, Braden, uh, rather a, a bit of enthusiasm. Um, go the full hog. And this seems like it has potential with the manufacturing of its new pilot for the lupin based protein and the macro shift towards sustainable food consumption. I'd love to get the panel's opinions on this stock. Wide open agriculture. Of course, have, uh, there's been a whole bunch of news out about them uh, in recent times uh, uh, around their modified loop of protein, protein, as Braden was saying, and their oat up oat milk product. Uh, Andrew, it's an interesting business. Yeah, so Koshi, one of the reasons I really like doing the call, apart from Henry's witty commentary, uh, is around. <laughs> That's, uh, and if you believe that, have I got the U share for you, is around the fact that you get exposed to companies that you may not have come across before, and WAO fits that uh, for me. So I, I sort of was reading the description, and it was, uh, what's Lupin? I had no idea what Lupin was, so of course I did a bit of research on Lupin, and for those playing at home, Lupin is king of the legumes, you'll be pleased to know, Koshi. 40% uh, protein, same protein that you get in soy milk, 30% uh, fibre and also low GI. So it's certainly ticking all the, the, the healthy yeah, it's uh, boxes. Used, it's used in, in noodles and also that sort of fake meat too, is it? I like the technical explanation. That's great, Koshi. Thank you. <laughs> so... Um, and in fact, if you look at oat milk, oat milk has come from absolutely nowhere. It's done the Stephen Bradbury in the uh, sort of plant-based milks uh, sphere. And in the US, it's now about 14% of all plant-based milk is now oat milk. Wow. So certainly it's in that sort of right space. But if we then sort of look more broadly to the broader thematic, and as you spoke about um, fake meat, uh, so we've got Beyond Meat, listed uh, overseas and we also have uh, Oatly, O-A-T-L-Y listed. And if you look at the performance of both of those companies in recent times, over the last three or six months, there's actually been some fairly chronic underperformance of those names relative to the broader market. I wasn't able to sort of uh, pin down as to why that's the case, 
But if you've got the two market leaders under pressure, then it's not sort of uh, strange to see that uh, WA is also under a bit of pressure. It's done really well. It's up 64% over the last three years relative to the market, which is up about nine. And that revenue is growing really strongly. You've got the top 20 shareholders controlling 65% of the company. So it's pretty thinly traded, Koshi. It's only about $100,000 a day. Um, from my point of view, we really need to sort of see it. And it, that chart there is perfect because it shows that it's just stuck. You really need it to get over sort of 85 to 90 cents for it to be a buy. So the thematic makes sense. Lupin, I'm, I'm off to Woolies or Coles to get some Lupin this afternoon. But uh, from a buy point of view, I really want to see it 85, 90 before I get stuck into it. Okay. All right. Um, Henry, is this a potential 10 bagger? Uh, uh, guys, I dream of going to Woolies or Coles these days with the Sydney lockdown. That, that, is, <laughs> that is a dream of actually going in store rather than doing uh, click and collect or, um, or when the shopping arrives at your doorstep on a Saturday morning. That's fantastic, I've got to say. Um, wide open agriculture. I guess um, the problem with a lot of these small caps, and as Andrew rightly points out, liquidity is an issue. And it's not so much an issue of getting in and getting out, because for most retail investors, um, you know, if you're buying $10,000 worth, that's not the end of the world. The problem is with, with liquidity issues, it means there's just not a lot of interest from the big players. There's not a lot of interest from analysts. And there's not a lot of people looking at these kind of stocks. So they do fly under the radar a little bit. And every dog has its day and every sector gets hot. And this was one of those stocks that got really hot for a while. Um, it got up to a dollar fifty at one stage, and we saw all that, um, all that massive focus, I guess, from uh, from various talking heads and markets about the the float in the U.S. of the the big oat milk company, and also the whole movement into uh, artificial meat and that sort of thing. So, I like this one. I've got to say, I'm not sure about their packaging. I, they, they keep promoting it as dirty, clean food. I'm not sure that's sending quite the right message but uh there's certainly um you know my son will is a big fan of the oat milk he's um he's not a soy fan and they do have some good products going for them the problem that i see is always with a lot of these small caps is they talk in percentages and the latest quarterly was out today so 28 percent quarter on quarter revenue growth of 1.4 million dollars right. so um you know, that's the problem. It's it's not huge. Um, it's a $77 million market cap. It has got potential uh, for your viewer in terms of 10 baggers, but it just needs to get more runs on the board. It needs to get the looping thing out and about. And it needs to, I think the dirty clean food kind of branding, it sends a, a, a strange convoluted mixed up message if i'm looking at packaging and see dirty clean food i'd rather see clean food than dirty clean food i have to say but that's a, a marketing thing i'm sure they've done their their research but yes it's for me i've got to say at 78 cents i think this is a buy right um, i think it has got potential it's just a question of i guess when the the zeitgeist of the market comes back and focuses on the alternatives to meat again and the uh, the oat milk story, which has waned considerably, it's got a little thin and wishy-washy. I guess that story, maybe that's um, something that's to do the with the product. Milk. I'm a full cream kind of guy, um, Koshi. I've got to say, 
the more cream the better <laughs> and uh, which explains a lot about my health <laughs> i love it there you go Braden. for a young investor um and oh, i like the way you do it you put put a little bit of a little bit of money you wouldn't bet the house on something like this no. but uh um uh, something at the start of its cycle and maybe turn around so some great advice there from both andrew and henry uh, something a bit more uh, conservative, Henry, is uh, Stockland, the big property group uh, in everything from commercial properties through the shopping centres and the like. Uh, yes, far more conservative, a far more different sort of company than uh, I guess we have got with the likes of wide open agriculture. So um, it's not the most exciting company. It's got a lot of exposure to residential, which has been good for it. But obviously the Sydney lockdown and New South Wales in general is going to be a little bit of a tail, or rather a headwind for them. They've just recently announced they bought uh, a company called Halcyon. So there's lots of puns, etc. in the research packs about Halcyon days ahead. Uh, this is a lifestyle community business in southeast Queensland. It's probably up near you, Andrew, um, in Toowoomba. Um, but it's, it's, it's certainly one of the premier REITs in the market, 5.6% distribution not to fully franked of course it is a distribution uh, geared to the residential side of things um, it's definitely a hold it has suffered a little bit I think probably a little bit of sentiment from the uh, the COVID outbreak that we're seeing at the moment in New South Wales maybe uh, that will start to alleviate a little bit as we start to see a little bit more defensive tilt perhaps to people's portfolio so it's definitely definitely a hold for me. The, the housing acquisition looks quite promising. Moving into those lifestyle community, I think, is a good move for them. So, um, over to you, Andrew. Yeah, Andrew. Thank you, Henry. Um, look, agree with everything said. Uh, I, I, I would just simply point out that they've got a new CEO. I'm always very nervous when companies get new CEOs because it's a great opportunity for he or she to come out and say, look what skeleton I found in the closet. I'm going to pin it on the previous person. And then how terrible are things? And in 18 months time, look what miracles I've performed. So uh, I'm new CEOs that always immediately puts me on the back foot. Uh, they're going to be the second with this Halcyon um, acquisition. They're going to be the second largest retirement living operator in Australia after Lend-Lease and obviously with an ageing population, etc. Uh, Henry, uh, there's certainly, um, you know, scope for them in, in that regard as well from a market opportunity point of view. Uh, the NTA, so if you were to sell the whole business up and just say, look, this is all too hard, we're just going to return monies to people, it's about $3.78. So it's trading at about a 10 to 15% premium to NTA, so you're being asked to pay you know, a dollar ten, dollar fifteen for a dollar worth of assets. That's across the board, though. There's a number of these REITs that are trading at that sort of premium. Um, look, I, I think that from a consensus point of view, consensus is around four dollars seventy-five. So consensus thinks there's a bit more in it. Uh, Andrew the miserable thinks sort of four twenty-five is probably the number. So it's a hold at this stage. Okay, um, but a new chief executive. It's a, an interesting point you make because often a new chief executive does come in, cleans all the skeletons out of the cupboard, gets all the bad news out of the way. Share price might drop a bit and then they rebuild from that because their bonuses 
basically all built around your hair price, was it? Koshi. That's terrible. That's a cynical look. So that plays an important role for you in oh, your investment. 100%. So you know how I keep banging on about uh, the CEO and the, the board buying shares? You know, like that's a really important tell because if the part owners of, sorry, if the management and governance side aren't willing to put their own money involved in the company, why should you? Yeah. And similarly, yeah. uh, if you have a new CEO for all the reasons that we just spoke about, I mean, I'm not suggesting for a moment every CEO does that. Some CEOs might come in and say, look at Macquarie. That didn't happen when Nicholas Moore left. Yeah. You know, everything yeah. was tickety-boo. But we've all, all three of us have been around long enough to know that it doesn't always work like that. So it's no. just another risk filter that you should consider when you're looking at a new company, a new CEO with a company. Yep, good point. All right, uh, Shani, Andrew wants a view on Tyro Payments, the uh, financial group that, um, that basically um, manages the payment system through EPOS machines, don't they, for a lot of small businesses, dominates that small business end of the market. Yeah, Koshi, I'm really torn on this one because, again, one of the things I really like is management, as in when I'm looking at a business, and we've said this many times as, you know, we've been doing the call during the year, it's great to have a good business, but what makes those businesses excel is who's the management and who's on the board, and that sort of holy trinity, the three together is what gets a company over the line or not. So if you have a look at who's the management of What If, it's Robbie Cook, Robbie Cook, X What If, and X Tats Group. So certainly strong pedigree from that point of view. And equally, so who's the chair? David Thode of Telstra fame, you know, who had to come in post Sol Trujillo. And uh, again, with due respect to Sol, perhaps, you know, didn't get along with everybody. David's job to sort of get everyone back in the tent. And yep. he did a pretty good job with that. So management is good. But then we come to the operational performance and we take our minds back to January. January wasn't such a happy time for Tyro because a lot of their machines, when they're doing an update, wouldn't update. And it wasn't just a matter of, you know, turn it off and turn it on again, the famous way to fix most IT issues. It was, in fact, could you please send us the machine back? Yeah. And it's like, are you serious? And I mean, I know from the Empire Theatre's perspective, as an example, we had to do that. Now, we weren't heavily reliant upon it. We had other solutions, but there was lots of anecdotal stories in the press whereby the ice cream shop down at Subiaco Beach, that was their only way that they could get money. And I mean, do you carry cash when you're out and about post-lockdown? Oh, I'd be pretty surprised if you've got any meaningful amount. I know I don't. Um, so cards is where it's at. So operationally they're not cutting it but in the context of the management and so forth they are cutting it so i'm i'm really torn to be honest i'm i'm, I'm a hold if, if you're okay. pinning me down there's lots of reasons not to be there okay they've got to rebuild their trust for uh, for andrew um uh, henry what do you think of tyra um i'm a bit like andrew with tyra i must admit i i think it is a question of rebuilding trust they clearly had some significant issues with their IT and their their systems and their payments, uh, the, the processing of that back in January. And it, it really has knocked confidence. What to me, I think, is is good that the company's doing. And I think it's uh, unfortunately bad in another way is they do issue weekly updates as to their transaction value, which is fantastic because you do get that clarity 
we do get that transparency in terms of how they're going. The problem that they have is that they're now at week 71. So they've been doing this since the COVID pandemic started um, for us here in Australia, or at least a couple of weeks after. So we're on week 71. It just shows you, and it's a constant reminder of how long this thing's been going on. It looks like it's turning the corner. Mike Cannon-Brooks owns 26%, and he's not exactly a dummy. So there must be a reason why he owns this one. And it does look as if it's turning the corner. So I put this in the buy cap here. It, it's obviously going to take a little bit of a hit due to the, uh, the extension of the lockdown in New South Wales. Uh, people won't be out and about going book with their uh, credit cards at the local uh, bakery or wherever as much as they were before. So that is going to be a bit of a headwind for them. But given the system and the fact that it wasn't, although it was inconvenient, it wasn't disastrous looking back on it because uh, they didn't have to replace quite as many as the market first thought. Um, so they have regained some trust. Transparency is good. Keeping the market updated is good. They could easily have just said, you know what, we'll just do a monthly update or a quarterly update, but they do it every week. So I think that is a positive. For me, it's a buy. Uh, and just as a, an aside, turning the machine back on, on, on and off is, is always a great solution, except if you're on life support. Um, it doesn't work quite so well there. <laughs> yeah, we, we will bear that in mind. All right, thank you for that. Uh, let's recap the first five stocks. Uh, some Barbara stock of the day, you know, from both. Uh, call Lithium, a buy from Andrew. Um, a hold from Henry. Quite likes it, owns it, buy on any sort of weakness. Uh, call Lithium, he says the share price is a bit high at the moment. Uh, car sales. Uh, a hold from both of them if it dropped down uh, sort of below $21, I think I've written down here. Um, it's, it's worth a look. Uh, wide open agriculture, a no from Andrew, a, uh, a buy, speculative buy from, uh, from Henry. Stockland, a hold from both, and Tyro, a hold from Andrew, and a buy from Henry. Uh, here on the call, we've been tracking our own fantasy portfolio since the 1st of July, thanks to our partner NAB Trade. Any stock that gets two thumbs up from the experts goes into the portfolio. Let's see how it's been performing. Uh, for the week, we're up uh, just under 1.5% for the month, uh, just slightly under that. And year to date, um, it's oh, year to date. So this is since the 1st of July this year. Um, we're up just uh, under 1%. Uh, since the, uh, uh, have we got since the 1st of July now, last year? We will check that uh, on Friday. So we reset for this financial year uh, going forward. All right, let's take a look at some of the stocks that uh, we've added uh, recently. Global Data Centre Investment Fund, Strike Resources, Venturex, Galaxy and Flight Centre, some of the stocks recently removed Evolution Mining, Premium and McMahon. Uh, if you want to see all the uh, stocks in the calls portfolio, head to osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. And a uh, quick programming note before we get into the second half of the show, we'll be joined by uh, Jardin's Elise Kennedy. Uh, she's VP of Equity Research and she will share her top picks in the tech space heading into reporting season. Uh, Elise joins us just the other side of the call. 
All right, let's uh, go into our um, second five stocks, second half of the show. Uh, Andrew Ann wants a view on Empower. Uh, Ann says, is this stock worth a punt to get some small caps exposure in the renewable scene? Empower um, is basically um, a renewable energy, mainly solar energy, um, which it pumps into the grids. Andrew? Oshi, uh, listed 1st of January, not you, the company, listed 1st of January, 1974. There we go. There's your random fact for today. Wow. I think, in fact, makes it <laughs> oldest company on the list today. You're saying, well, that's really exciting, Andrew. You obviously had too much spare time when you did the research. No, there is a method. There is a method. Market cap, $16 million. This okay. company is as old as I am and its market cap is 16 million bucks now you know like 16 million dollars is nothing to sneeze at but you know we've been batting and bowling here for nearly 50 years and there's only twenty-two thousand dollars a day traded so you know we're having a bit of a uh, a conversation around woa and how tightly held that one is well this is even more tightly held and in fact if you delve a little bit further uh, the top 20 shareholders control 78% of the company. Ah. So it's really, really, really difficult to get set on it. As you said, Koshi, it's involved in solar farms and they're spruiking the fact that they sort of get two income streams, not only the development of said uh, solar farm, but then the ongoing operation piece. If my research is correct, they're actually though making more money on property development than they actually are on operating these solar farms at the moment. Now that right. changes their you know, business improves. So they went and issued some more... Uh, shares at eight and a half cents back in February uh, to sort of, you know, keep some dollars coming in the door. Bottom line, no yep. thank you. Okay. Henry? Uh, <laughs> um, I'm just casting my mind back to 1975. It seems such a long time ago and I'm a little bit older than Andrew. <laughs> I remember it well. I was just, just starting high school, um, which is a bit concerning. Empower, uh, uh, no is the answer it's too small i th think the fact that it has been going uh, nearly well over 50 years well nearly 50 years is a bit of a, a worry considering it's still only a 15 million dollar company peter weiss uh, owns i think it is 35 percent of the company so serious skin in the game nathan wise runs the company so this is a, this is a family company that by some accident of history has become a listed company back in 1975 and has clung on to the dignity and the imprimatur of being a listed company for all those 46 years. Um, I have to say, it's very hard to get excited about this one. If you want to play the, the whole battery tech, the whole renewables, there are far more interesting companies to go and play in uh, with. So yeah, not for me, too illiquid, no interest from anybody really it's been around too long and still it still has sort of um not attracted much interest so no okay. definitely not not for all right okay does open pay excite you uh henry paul wants a view on that uh paul says look it's fallen heavily this year it's down about 35 percent this year uh and now the sector seems to have a negative sentiment does that mean this is now a sell or is it worth holding on to i should say uh, Shore and Partner analysts uh, are, um, put out a research report recently saying 
It, they see this as a buying opportunity because it's made some acquisitions in the UK market. And Shaw has a price target of four bucks, or did have a four, price target of four bucks, which is significantly higher than it is now. So it's in the buy now, pay later business. I think there's a quote about that, Koshi. Tell them they're dreaming, um, <laughs> is the answer. Um, I've got to say, this, this, this is a mea culpa from me because I, I recommend, I read the research from Shaw some time ago and I recommended this and put it in the small cap portfolio, which just goes to show that you can't get them all right all the time. And this has been a very suboptimal uh, an outcome, I have to say. It's my biggest loss maker and I've stuck with it and I waited to see what the quarterly was going to bring. And the quarterly hasn't brought an awful lot, I have to say. Part of the problem with open pay is the sector, and the sector is very much on the nose at the moment. It's had, uh, I wrote in the newsletter this morning, um, it's SQM moment. And it, those members, uh, those readers and those viewers will remember that there was a time when we had a lithium boom. And I know we're having one at the moment, but we had one a few years ago. And it was all disrupted when uh, a South American lithium miner said, you know what, we're going to increase production. And the sector just went into a tailspin from there. The same has happened with the sector uh, with Apple Pay and PayPal coming to town. Now, that doesn't mean to say that the sector's finished because we've seen the, the Phoenix-like rise of the lithium sector in the last uh, year or so. But what it does say is that maybe valuations got a little bit ahead of themselves, a little bit too much optimism baked in. And OpenPay was one of those stocks that looked cheap compared to Afterpay. Yeah. It looked cheap compared to Zip. The problem is that both Afterpay and Zip have got cheaper. And when a sector's under pressure, it's sometimes good to go with the strength. Now, there's a lot of consolidation that is due in this marketplace at the moment. That when you look at some of the websites online, and you can see the myriad of payment options, it kind of fries your head a little bit and you just go round and round in circles which one to use. So it is primed for consolidation, but that doesn't mean to say um, that it's going to happen tomorrow. That's the problem. And it may be that the big guys will wait till there's more blood on the street. I'm, with regards to open pay, they have got a conference call this afternoon at 2.30, which I'm going to be tuning into because, as I say, it hasn't been my finest hour. Uh, Archer Materials has been a far better bet, uh, AXE, which has gone pretty well, um, and a number of others. But this one is my dog, and it is hanging over to my head, and I don't know whether I should be long it still, or I should just take my medicine and move on. And what would probably be a better idea was to look at the, the, the big guys out there, the zips and the afterpays, um, as the market leaders who... In a, in a market where competition is increasing, the strong will survive. Those that have got the big land grab will survive. OpenPay has made this UK acquisition, and they're talking very optimistically about this. And this is the year of, you know, when it's all going to happen. But, you know, I've heard this before, and it's, it's kind of corporate yeah. speak. Uh, we've all heard this before. So for me, the jury is out, but uh, it certainly hasn't been my finest stock pick, I must admit. Yeah. And it reminds me always. But it's not just about reading research and following price targets, because you know what? Analysts are not infallible either. Yep. Otherwise, if they were, they probably would have retired to wherever hasn't got a <laughs> lockdown and been That's enjoying right. their cocktails. Yeah. 
And we've still got st uh, Commonwealth Bank, I think, launching, uh, they're calling their step pay. I think that's in the next couple of weeks as well. Um, and you're yeah. quite right with the, the big players because the, the rub on afterpay is, oh, it's just a one-trick pony. Well, now it's starting to launch other financial products and you can, you can yeah. see it turning itself into a bit of a fintech now um, with, uh, with savings products and loan products because it's bulked up and got that criti critical mass of, of, uh, on its database. Yeah, exactly, exactly right. And I guess this is the, the way of things. The, the question, I guess, for Afterpay is whether it can pull this off because you know, the, the banks many years ago decided they were going to be the one-stop shop for all financial products from life insurance, car insurance, wealth products, everything. Um, and that didn't end well for the banks and they've shrunk to greatness and become building societies. At, this, at the same time now, we've got the, uh, the fintech wannabes taking on the banks and growing to to maybe greatness maybe not we'll have to wait and see yeah 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 i've got my or had my income protection insurance with uh with one of the big four banks until uh i got my uh renewal uh notice uh, ah. a month ago um sorry ah. we've had to put your premium up 50 percent. i said i think that wow. could be a sign they don't want my business anymore <laughs> I, th I think that is, but the ratings have been pretty good, though, haven't they, Cosby? <laughs> well, I thought so, too, but anyhow. Um, yeah, you did a pretty good job. I think you'd be all right. <laughs> um, Andrew, what do you think of OpenPay? Yeah, I was going to say, what high-risk activities have you been up to? Yeah. Or is that a conversation we're going to keep up? <laughs> um, look, uh, and, and to give Henry some comfort, we've all been there mate we've all stepped on the landmines but you know just listening to you i think you're spot on and i think the way that i would attack it going forward for me everyone's different is when the herd is running you know the the small nimble ones absolutely but as soon as you have that sqm moment or as it would be in this case apple moment because apple's really what's and paypal to a lesser degree it's causing the buy now pay later to come off the boil that's when you pivot or shift to yeah. use better turn phrase to your afterpays or your zips. I mean, that's certainly how I'm sort of thinking of doing it. But to open pay, I like the fact that the CEO has gone and bought uh, 65,000 shares. I mean, it's not a huge amount of money, but 65,000 shares at $1.52. So they're obviously feeling a bit of hurt at the moment. So other shareholders who are feeling hurt you know, will at least have, take some small comfort, the fact that, you know, even just recently, the CEO is willing to put their after-tax money into that. Um, that's about all I can do though on the comfort front. I can give you lots yep. of reasons not to be there. Okay. So it's a hold at best. <laughs> I, think, I think it's a takeover target is sort of where right. I'm at. So I'm not sell, but it's a hold. Okay. All right. Um, Andrew, another Andrew, wants a view on Medibank Private. Should I consider... Medibank, given the share price this month, of course, a big private insurer. What do you think of Medibank private? So, Koshi, new CEO. So, what's the rule? Amber Light. Yep. Um, so, I'm immediately a hold. I've gone from buy to hold just on that basis alone. I don't like insurers. Um, lots of things to go wrong. Certainly, COVID, though, is perversely a positive for them because unfortunately people can't be making claims. And to, to Medibank's credit, during last year, I think it was about $105 million worth of COVID monies that weren't 
spent, if that makes sense. In other words, people that would normally make claims but weren't able to, they actually reduce people's premiums accordingly. So hats off to them. They've certainly done a great job and they're certainly indicating that they'll continue to do that. But it's just too expensive, Koshi, you know. Mm. Um, so I'm, yeah, it's trading near consensus. Consensus is about 3.30, where is it at the moment? 3.32. Um, you'd want to see some sort of pullback on it. at the, And where's, I mean, if you're even just looking at that chart, it's sort of regularly in the 230s to 250s. Uh, that would be the, the buy price because, as you can see, it's two or three times now. It's done 2017, I'm sorry, 2018, 2020. So uh, it, it is a hold for me. Okay. Um, Henry, whenever private health insurers come up on the uh, on the call, a lot of the uh, the panelists have been preferred preferring NIB out of out of Newcastle than uh, than the Medibank privates of the world. Uh, yeah, I would agree with that. I, d I don't really like the sector. I've got to say, Koshi, um, it's uh, it's a bit of a bugbear of mine. I've always thought it's a bit of dead money, really. Uh, to be honest, insurance is is a hard enough game. These guys have obviously had a bit of a COVID break, in terms of uh, claims not being uh, quite as big as uh, pre-COVID, of course, because people haven't been able to access that uh, elective surgery. But it's pretty dull and boring, isn't it? I mean, I, I remember one of our um, one of our guys down in Melbourne asked me what I thought of Medibank Private when they were about 290. I said, oh, there's better things. And here we are at 330. And that was five years ago, <laughs> or four years ago or something. You know, it was, it, they haven't really done much. They got a 4% yield. The, the good thing about them, I guess, is they're a defensive uh, company. They're geared to uh, COVID getting worse to some extent because uh, those uh, claims and that claim volatility won't be as uh, as great with nobody able to go to a hospital and get access to surgery. So in that respect, yeah, but you know what, they've, they've run pretty hard. If, if you're going to hide money, I think there's better places to hide money. I think NIB is probably a better run company. As Andrew says, they've got a new CEO, Craig Drummond, uh, did a pretty good job keeping it on an even keel and keeping everybody happy. But it's just dull, lifeless and yeah, I just hate yeah. health insurance companies generally. I've got to say, yeah. you, you because the problem with health insurance is you don't set the premium increases, do you? Yeah, you, you go cap in hand no. to the government and say, please. And, and it costs such a fortune for the premiums every uh, every quarter. And when you come to claim, they always find a way to wriggle out of it or whatever. It's it's not a good experience, and and they've still yet to convince young people uh, to uh, to be part yep. of this this insurance product and, and the government has to you know twist your arm and give you tax not only incentives but also disincentives and punish you if you don't so it's, it's hardly a great advert for the product I've got to say so I tend to avoid both of them but if you're going to go yeah. defensive in one go NIB. Okay uh, sticking with insurance uh, Henry Hari wants a view on on Finios um, but rather than being an insurer they provide software to uh, insure life um, companies or insurance companies on life accident and health insurers. They're based in Dublin. They reckon they've got seven of the 10 largest life and health carriers in the US as clients. Um, basically, they run the software for client relationships, for claims, policy admin and, and billing. So they do the admin platform that drives a lot of the insurance products. Um, this is obviously a day to, to pick on uh, some of the stocks that I own in my small cap portfolio that I 
that I um, <laughs> that I do because this is another one that I've owned for a while. And it has been suboptimal. It has been disappointing. Uh, timing has been an issue with new contracts. It's fair to say, and they have been uh, a little bit volatile. They went all the way up to the top of the hill and they got marched all the way back down again. Um, it has been an issue with the timing. Brokers are generally pretty positive on this one, and I have to say I, I'm pretty positive. But it um, it has been quite volatile. They went for an almighty run uh, back in uh, when was it? Back in March, and went from 360 to four. Well, nearly hit five bucks, uh, and they've come all the way back again. I, I still like this one. For me, it's still a hold. It's just a timing issue in terms of these new contracts they're bringing on. So I'm going to stick with my hold. I have okay. to say. Um, could be stubborn, but uh, it is a it is kind of a fintech. But they do provide the backbone of uh, many insurance companies, and as you say, run out of Dublin. So I'm going to be to be sure, to be sure, and I'm going to stick with the uh, the, the hold on this one for the time okay. being. But if it got up to five bucks, I'd be a seller. Okay, Andrew, what do you think? They've got some some pretty good clients. Yeah, 100%. And to, just as Henry was speaking, as I was trying to block him out as usual, I was thinking, is this, is this, <laughs> this is sort of Hanson-esque, HSN, for those playing at home. And uh, Hanson, of course, is now under takeover from BGH at $6.50, and it just sat there and did nothing for literally years. Uh, we covered it a few times, Koshi, on the call. Yep. And it's exactly the same sort of business where they've got major clients, they're providing the infrastructure from a software point of view. It's just got that feel to it. Um, and 70%, 71% of their income is sort of in the cloud. It's sort of that annuity-based stuff. They've got, of their 1,000 employees, uh, 500 of them are engaged in research and development, so they're sort of putting their money back into the, the business. The CEO holds 32% of the company, so you talk about having skin in the game. Yep. Equally so, that could be the one thing that stops any corporate activity because, of course, someone holding more than 20% uh, has got a blocking stake, so you need the CEO on, on board. And it's trading well below consensus. Consensus is about $4.67. So I actually don't mind this, Koshi. I'll, I'll, I'll give Henry a get out of jail. Let's say it's a buy. Okay. All right. Oh, Ooh, there you go. So let's see. So my mum's just Love about it. to buy who else? Um. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Andrew, our oh. final stock comes from Michael. Uh, Arafura Resources. Michael wants to know, should I invest further uh, through this share purchase plan? Is it a buy? Yeah. It's, um, in the I, rare earths business. It is. And so it's had a bit of a run lately because, well, a couple of reasons from what I could ascertain, the US government sort of basically sort of looking as to where they can uh, secure rare earths uh, supply or uh, critical supplies, you know, talking to the Canadians, talking to us around that, because obviously all this tension that's going on with China at the moment. I thought I also read somewhere relating to this North Australian infrastructure fund that there was some money on the table for that as well. Uh, this Nolan's project, it's a billion dollar project. So it certainly is attractive. Uh, what is equally attractive, Koshi, is that management and uh, the board are also buying stock. And the share placement price is at 12 cents. And uh, I think the current share price is around 13 cents. So sure, as a punt for the geopolitical reasons, uh, rare earths isn't going away. I'd, I'd throw a couple of dollars into this. Okay. Henry? 
Um, well, yes, is the answer. I think uh, Andrew's spot on. The thing uh, to remember with SPPs, uh, share purchase plans, is they do tend to exert a little bit of gravitational pull towards that SPP price. And why that is, is because some people will be selling their shares that they currently own, or at least part of their shares they currently own, so they can top up at the lower SPP price. In this case, it's 12 cents. That doesn't finish till August the 23rd. So if you were a, a current shareholder of Arafura, you might sell your shares at 13, 13 and a half cents, reapply then through the SPP at 12 cents and pocket the difference. Of course, the problem is that you're not guaranteed to get your stock at 12 cents because you can get scaled back uh, if it's very popular. So that is something to bear in mind. You can only get a maximum of $30,000 worth as well, but that does tend to push the stock price down a little bit as people take their chances in the market. I think this is a buy. This is a stock that is uh, a kind of a me too stock to some extent with the extraordinary rise that we've seen from Linus, Linus which is yeah. clearly the market leader in the rare earth space. And, and, and Amanda Lacaz has done a fantastic job in turning around that business, which was really and truly struggling for a long time uh, with political issues in Malaysia, uh, with cost issues, etc. And it really has been a magnificent uh, performance by by Linus to sort all that out. It's been a bit of a minefield to step through. This one hasn't got the same political issues. It's got a long mine life, 38 years. It's trading down near its lows in a sexy sector in terms of rare earths. At the moment, that's pretty on, on topic. Um, and at 12 cents with the SPP, I think you're, you, you may not be getting the bargain of the century, but you're certainly getting a, a pretty reasonable entry into what could be a pretty interesting product. Mm. So as far as the SPP goes, I would be um, applying for that one. Um, up to you how many you go for. But certainly, uh, if, if the, for those that aren't shareholders, if it gets down towards that 12 cent level, I'd be a buyer as well, just in the ordinary way of things. So at 12 cents, definitely a buy. At 13 cents, probably a buy. So I'm going to go with Andrew and say, yep, you know what? Yeah. It's a buy. If it walks like a duck and quacks like a duck, then it's a duck. Uh, <laughs> because everyone says, oh, yeah, rare earths, but they're not actually rare. Uh, the issue is uh, yeah. <laughs> they're, they're, they're all in China. <laughs> they're not rare yeah. in China, yeah. but there aren't many producers outside of China. And so you've got countries like the US making strategic decisions saying we will now only buy rare earths uh, from outside yeah. of China because we need it for our, our fighter planes and the like. Yeah, I mean, we, 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 we've pushed this line out, the rare earths aren't that rare and they aren't that rare. I mean, there's, there's a lot of it lying around. The, the, the issue with rare earths is they're dirty to actually process uh, yeah. and to get the rare earths out because the, the byproducts tend to be uh, glow-in-the-dark products. They're ones that make you glow-in-the-dark um, and they can be a problem for, uh, which is why we have the, uh, the Linus guys up in Malaysia doing that because it was really not uh, politically um, you just couldn't do it in, in Australia in terms of environmental issues. So better to process it somewhere else. That was the uh, the idea. But yeah. now we're starting to see Linus uh, doing some processing in Western Australia. They're building a, a processing plant. And in Texas as well, uh, they're pushing uh, processing there because you need this supply, you need the security of supply uh, because otherwise it's just all Chinese. So yeah. Um, yeah. I think yeah. Arafura is definitely a, a buy on the back of that. But yeah, mm. interesting sector. Yeah, absolutely. 
All right, chaps, that's all we have time for. Henry Jennings from Marcus today. Always great to catch up, sir. Likewise, Andrew Whelan from DP Wealth Advisory. Good on you, fellas. Thank you. And uh, let's just Thanks, recap Coffee. the final five stocks. M Bauer, a no from both. Open pay, a hold from Andrew, a no from, uh, from Henry. Medibang, hold from Andrew, a, uh, a no from um, Henry. Uh, Phineos, uh, a buy from Andrew and a hold from Henry. And Arafura Resources, a yes from both. Uh, that's all we have time for for today. If you uh, want to suggest any stocks for us to cover, uh, send us an email to call at oddsbiz.com.au or tweet us using the at oddsbiztv handle. Um, if you want to take a look at all the stocks in the calls portfolio, you can see them at oddsbiz.co forward slash portfolio. And <coughs> for a full wrap up of the day in startups, in business, what's happening in the markets, Subscribe to the newsletter, you get Scuddy's View, a link to the podcast, and also links to the most popular interviews on the platform. You can subscribe at osbiz.co forward slash the COB. That's it for us for the call for today. Back same time tomorrow. In the meantime, Osbiz continues straight after this. 